Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Oh, hi, Donald. What's up? Indicted? No, it can't be. <laughs> no, darling, I'm crying. This is very, very sad news. In fact, I'm so sad that I can't even talk on the phone right now. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, my love. <laughs> this is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa podcast. Lock her up. That's right. Yes, that's right. Lock her up. They've been called to action, but most of his MAGA supporters stayed home. Most of those who did show up outside the Manhattan courthouse on the evening of March 30th were fans of law and order. The very small crowd was exuberant and relieved because it had finally been announced that the terrorist in chief was being brought to justice. The New York grand jury investigating Trump's 2016 hush money payments to Stormy Daniels had voted to indict him. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. There were several women carrying signs that read, Trump is guilty and the time is now. New York City was rejoicing. According to our friend Victor Xi, who was at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office on that historic night representing voters of tomorrow, cops stood by casually. Reporters who had been staked out for weeks left the scene to post their stories, while others turned up with camera crews to make the historic announcements live on air. We're interrupting this package right now because we have some breaking news, and it is historic news out of Lower Manhattan right now. A federal jury, a grand jury has voted to indict former President Trump, the first time ever that a former president has been criminally charged. And back at mar lardo the scene was somber. News of the indictment shocked Trump world insiders, and they had let down their guard because the grand jury that indicted the former president was about to go on break. And also because this time, Trump didn't control the narrative. It happened without his consent and without any prior warning. This thing that had so long been a threat is now a reality. And Donald J. Trump had officially become the very first president of the United States of America to ever be indicted on criminal charges. This caught uh, Mar-a-Lago and caught uh, Trump advisors very much by surprise. Uh 
They had been believing the idea uh, that the grand jury was out for a month, which was widely reported. Um, you know, it was it was not entirely clear uh, uh, whether that was going to be the case, and as it turns out, it was not. Based on our reporting, uh, you know, they are in something of shock. I think they will move past that fairly quickly. I think you will, you know, see Trump get very aggressive about Bragg. We don't know exactly what the charges are yet, so that adds an element of uncertainty to it. Um, but this is not a moment Donald Trump wanted. The statement put out by our fearless Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, read like this, and I quote, This evening, we contacted Mr. Trump's attorney to coordinate his surrender to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office for arraignment on a Supreme Court indictment, which remains under seal. But sources say it includes at least one felony count and, get a load of this, an estimated 30 counts related to document fraud. And as of this reporting, we don't yet know all the charges as they are still under seal and will likely remain so until Trump's arraignment, now scheduled for Tuesday, April 4th. Not just about Stormy Daniels, but about other so-called catch-and-kill operations to stop stories seen as unsavory from being published during a presidential campaign. Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, will now negotiate with Trump's lawyers to negotiate this surrender. Could that mean that the former president of the United States will be photographed and fingerprinted in the bowels of a New York state courthouse. Before getting on the phone to fucking cry to donors for his help, Trump put out a statement shortly after the announcement saying, and I quote, the Democrats have lied, cheated, and stolen in their obsession with trying to get Trump. But now they've done the unthinkable indicting a completely innocent person in an act of blatant election interference. Now, we all know that the only reason Trump announced his candidacy, especially as early as he did, is nothing more than a fucking feeble attempt to try and avoid prosecution. And now that it's happened, he's using it as a cudgel to attack prosecutors. The reaction to the Trump indictment from his allies is off the charts. This is repulsive. It's a disgusting political hit job. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Republicans are united in outrage. Give the president some money to fight this bull****. Even his rivals for the 2024 presidential nomination have his back. The unprecedented indictment of a former president of the United States on a campaign finance issue is an outrage. DeSantis put out a tweet defending the former president, maybe the only moment of Republican unity over the next year. Trump's sons, Eric and Don Jr., got emotional as they lashed out at Manhattan's DA, Alvin Bragg. These people are evil. They're wicked. Trump did what Trump does. He put out a childish screed against the radical left Democrats on a witch hunt to destroy his Make America Great movement. He goes on to say, and again I quote, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who is handpicked and funded by George Soros, is a disgrace. Again with the George Soros shit. And why? Because the name alone has become synonymous with anti-Semitism. And if the MAGA movement stands for anything, it's fucking hate. Hate for the Jews, hate for the blacks, hate for the gays, hate for anyone brave enough to indict him. Felony violations, if the evidence beyond a reasonable doubt is presented to a jury, I think this is a much stronger case than people recognize attacking Michael Cohn, which is Donald Trump's way of deflecting and accusing and personalizing. He's going to be faced in American public opinion, right, left, Trump or not. 
are going to be faced with a lot of evidence that will surprise them, a lot of witnesses, a lot of documents. It's not just about one person's testimony. And I think everyone who is out there talking about this being a political case or witch hunt are going to be sorry when they actually read the substance of what these prosecutors have developed in uh, several criminal charges. Our weak and pandering Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, ran to Trump's aid claiming that Bragg had irreparably damaged our country in an attempt to interfere in our presidential election. McCarthy, the moron, has apparently forgotten that a grand jury of average Americans are not Bragg, and they chose to indict Trump. And Trump too rambled on about how Democrats were, quote, weaponizing our justice system to punish a political opponent who just so happens to be a president of the United States and leading the Republican candidacy for president. When you are told for your entire life that you can do whatever you want with no consequences and that gets proven to you time and time again, why would he think otherwise. And let's face it, Donald is not the most agile thinker. You know, he is he's pretty rigid and nothing can challenge that sense of invulnerability except perhaps a few indictments. Now, Bill Barr made a statement too, saying Democrats are using the indictment to win in 2024. And a bunch of other Republican officials made similar stupid fucking comments, including, yeah, Lindsey fucking Graham, who said that Trump should smash some windows and punch a cop on his way to being booked. I mean, Lindsey always knows the right things to say. Look, my friends, let me be very clear. Donald Trump isn't smashing any windows, and he certainly doesn't have the fucking guts to punch a cop, because him lifting up those T-Rex arms would get him knocked the fuck out and put right on his fat ass. To the conservatives out there, make sure you vote. If you got friends, make sure they vote. If you don't have any friends, go make some friends. But you need to help this man, Donald J. Trump. They're trying to drain him dry. He spent more money on lawyers than most people spend on campaigns. They're trying to bleed him dry. DonaldJTrump.com. Go tonight, give the president some money. And of course, you then have Dork Santis, who of course has to chime in with this constitution-defined tweet. And I gotta quote this for you. Florida would not assist in an extradition request. Now, first of all, no such request was ever made, but Meatball Ron, who's about to announce that he's running against Trump, wanted to show the base that he can be just as fucking lawless as the GOP frontrunner. But yes, I have no doubt, after months and months and months of being exposed to this case and Mr. Cohen being questioned about the case and observing this group of professional, meticulous, careful, very discreet, prosecutors, that this is about facts, documents, text messages, other witnesses, not just Mr. Cohen. It's a very strong factual case. An interesting thing is that with this indictment, anyone running against Trump for the nomination will have to somehow break through the noise of Trump's various legal battles because, you know, his spray tan mug is going to be on television 24-7 for the next two years. So good luck, douchebag Ron, because no one fucking likes you anyway. They could turn violent. What he did with that information is anybody's guess. NBC has reached out to Meadows for comment. Meanwhile, lordy, there are tapes 
and they caught Congressman Kevin McCarthy in a lie. Upon hearing of the indictment, Fox News lost its collective mind. I mean, they really lost their fucking minds. During Fox News show The Five, host Sandra Smith, she interrupted the conversation to break the news. And she confirmed it. One of the hosts off screen can be heard audibly gasping. And that moment has gone viral on social media and has been viewed more than one and a half million times. All right, um, we're going to break in with this Fox News alert here. Uh, we have just gotten word <gasps> former President Donald Trump has been indicted hmm. by a grand jury. But here's the good thing. Trump can't shut the fuck up. Not only is Donald Trump attacking the prosecutors, the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, not only is Donald Trump attacking the judge assigned the criminal case, Judge Juan Merchant, Donald Trump is also attacking Alvin Bragg's wife. This is part of a course of conduct that Donald Trump has engaged in through the various criminal investigations where he doesn't just go after the judge, he doesn't just go after the prosecutors. He goes after their families. So if you want to witness one of his meltdowns in real time, just tune into Truth Social, a.k.a. Trump Twitter. We're in between crying like a fucking baby that the United States is now a third world nation and that his indictment is, quote, political persecution. This former fucking idiot goes on and he brags about how sales of his NFT collection soared by a whopping 46.1% in the hours after his indictment. I mean, can you believe this shit? Now, reading between the lines, Trump is sending out some not-so-coded message for his minions to follow and for his enemies to fear. But investigators are also looking at his posts for evidence. Why? Because Trump regularly tells on himself he's a fucking idiot. It's very simple. Either we start ballot harvesting or you can say goodbye to our country. You wow. can just wave goodbye because Democrats would win every single election. We have to get smart. And that's why our campaign will fight back and start harvesting ballots. In other Trump-related news, son-in-law Jared Kushner is hoping that you'll be so focused on Donald that you'll ignore his Middle Eastern money schemes. On Thursday, it was then revealed that not only did Boy Blunder receive two-plus billion dollars from the Saudis, but he also just scored millions from the United Arab Emirates and Qatar, but for exactly what we don't know. His financial services, of course. I mean, what else could it possibly be? The fucking idiot is now a financial genius. And according to the New York Times, Qatari officials feared that they would face unfavorable treatment if they turned down Mr. Kushner's invitation to invest and then and hypothetically if Mr. Trump returned to power. What was announced last night was also uh, very unprecedented. And as an American, it's very troubling to me to see the leader of the opposition party uh, be indicted. And I think that that shows, obviously, the fear that the Democrats have of Trump and the political strength that he has. And just as a family member, uh, obviously, Ivanka and I uh, love him very much. The Qataris have helped Jared out of several jams, including taking the 666 building off of his hands. And then during the last days of the Trump presidency, Jerkoff Jared helped to lift economic and diplomatic blockades on Qatar by its neighbors. We also saw lots of coverage of Javanka's hobnobbing with their highbrow Qatari buddies at the World Cup last November. 
And even after the entire world condemned Qatar for human rights violations, there they were, front and fucking center like Mr. and Mrs. America, there to save Qatar from getting into horrible press. I mean, it's all pretty fishy tit-for-tat shit, but at the end of the day, I promise you, the press will make sure this information is revealed. This is from the New York Times last month. Quote, Manhattan prosecutors this week warned that they might file new fraud charges against Alan Weisselberg, a longtime top executive at Donald Trump's real estate business, increasing pressure on Weisselberg to cooperate in a broader investigation into the former president, end quote. Weisselberg's an interesting story. He was one of Donald Trump's closest confidants all his life. He's due to get out of jail next month, so if someone's trying to pressure him to testify against Trump, now's the time. And it looks like my old friend and former Trump Organization CFO, Alan Weisselberg, has cut ties with his defense lawyers after some folks in Trump world expressed concerns that Alan was too willing to play ball with the Manhattan DAs prosecuting Trump. After copying a plea and getting a reduced sentence for tax fraud, Weisselberg is now in his final weeks at Rikers. But the fear is that if Allen doesn't turn on Trump, he could go back on new charges. The new lawyer is there to stop him from talking. I mean, Weisselberg got immunity from the feds for his role in the Stormy Daniels case against me, even though, of course, we know now that he's in it. But word is that Bragg's prosecutors are trying to get him to talk anyway. So yeah, while the Trump organization is saying that the decision to change lawyers was all Allen's, I mean, we insiders know differently. It's fucking bullshit. So good luck, Alan. You know why, my friend? Because they're going to fucking need it. I'm so indicted. And I just can't hide it. I'm about to go to jail. And I don't like it. I'm so indicted. And I just can't hide it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I am so screwed. And now for the main event. Today, we welcome back to our show, intrepid newsman Ali Velshi host of Velshi, and seemingly the favorite fill-in host for every single MSNBC primetime news show. Velshi also reported live from the front lines of the George Floyd protests. He was drenched during the Hurricane Ian and dodged incoming fire from Russian artillery when he fearlessly reported live from the front lines in Ukraine. A concerned citizen of the world, Velshi seems to be everywhere that there is injustice. 
He has been a contributor at CNN, Al Jazeera America, and NBC, to name a few. I mean, Velshi is also a prolific writer and has written books, articles, and columns for newspapers and monthly publications throughout the Northern Hemisphere. I mean, this is really a great conversation. So let's go now to my conversation with Ali. Okay, so welcome back, Ali. Now, I think that it was so good to have you back. It's good to see your face, my friend. I think it was Liz Cheney who said that we should put less focus on banning books and more focus on keeping gun violence out of our schools. But how likely is it that lawmakers will be able to do anything about gun violence, especially in the near future? Zero likely. Um, and I don't mean to be a pessimist about this because I think that, uh, let me just give you a little background here, by the way. I am a gun owner. Um, as and, well, as uh, I was. I think that gun laws in America are ridiculous. And if, if solving that problem means that uh, I, I give up my gun, I, I would gladly do it because there's no trade-off that's worth it to, to, to see these kids dying on a regular basis, to see kids doing um, uh, you know active shooter drills. But here's the thing that, that you know, and I don't know everybody knows this, but the, the, the gun industry is a, is a racket like no other. Unlike big pharma and big oil and big tobacco, which were all very, very influential and, and did a lot of damage. The gun industry has this other thing in that it's got remarkable reach. So it's a it's a protection racket for, uh, you know, Republicans who are elected. Used to be some Democrats, too. But ever since Sandy Hook, uh, Democrats took a very strong position on guns and, and the NRA abandoned them all. But that's OK, because no Democrat is going to be primaried by someone who uh, doesn't believe in in some form of common sense gun control. Every Republican who is on the record as being against any form of common sense gun control who changes as a result of a school shooting is cooked. The NRA will simply say, uh, Michael, step aside. Uh, So-and-so is now the new candidate. And that's how it's going to be. You can try and run and keep your seat, but you won't. There are already pressures from the right on Republican candidates. You cannot mess with this stuff. So very, very few Republicans will ever move while the gun industry controls uh, their elections the way they do. It is a perversion of the electoral process because most Americans, whether you own a gun or not, most Americans believe that there should be common sense um, gun regulations, including red flag laws for abusers, for boyfriends, for husbands, because that's where a lot of these shootings come from. Uh, you know, ways of, of, of being able to control who gets a gun and how. Simple stuff that does not involve taking most guns away from most people, but Republicans won't budge on this. No, they won't. Now, like you, I was before, of course, paying for the president to get his pecker pulled by a porn star. I had a full concealed carry in the city of New York, which is extremely difficult to get. And I did it because of threats. And I had to go through an entire threat assessment by the FBI, by by Manhattan, uh, by the New York Police Department. You know, this was not an easy process. So for me, losing it was pretty significant, and especially based upon the reasons why I lost it. I'm a firm believer in the Second Amendment, just as I'm a firm believer in the First Amendment, something that Donald Trump, of course, you know, yep. has no problem with violating either. But like you, I am all about legitimate gun regulations. Um, The same way that a bank, think about it this way. A bank has something called KYC, right? Know your client. Know your customer, yeah. Know your customer, yeah. All you want to do is fucking put money into the bank. I want to deposit my money in there 
and I want a checkbook so that I can write out checks. Right. If there's no money in the account, the check bounces. Correct. They go through an entire background check on you. KYC, I can't open up a fucking bank account. Could right. you imagine? I owe no money to Uncle Sam. In fact, they owe me money. Yeah. I go back to the banks that I had done business with for years. Capital One, TD, right? Uh, City National, you name it. First Republic. They don't give a shit. KYC says that I'm a high risk, right? I'm a, I'm a person with a, with a high risk profile. Therefore, they don't have to give me a bank account. Could you imagine the shit? Amazing, yeah. These fuckers, these fuckers use my tax dollars to borrow money at 0% so that they can loan it out at 6, 7, 8%. And Real I better. can't open up an account simply because once again, the president got his three inch mushroom pecker pulled by a fucking porn star. But you can go ahead and you can get a gun. And you That's can get a gun thing. in 24 hours simply with a driver's right. license. Somebody needs to explain to me where I, the I fuck are the politicians, Ali? Right. And that's the thing we've just look, maybe it's it's something that we have to figure out a new way to lean into because it's not registering with a lot of people because we have this politics of grievance and fear. So everything becomes a story about they're going to take your rights away. They're going to do something right. And, and, and Donald Trump has stepped right in the middle of this breach. Right. With all this talk about I'm your justice and your retribution. It's the idea I that they're all coming or you, I'm your vengeance. They're all coming for you, and I'm going to stand in the way of it. So the gun discussion falls squarely into that space that, ah, you see, some somebody who was in, imbalanced went and, and, and shot up a school, and they're going to take your rights away. It's just not true. But, it, you know, nuance doesn't win you campaigns. Uh, and, and that's the problem, that this one is rock solid. There are people who have nothing in common with school shooters who are responsible gun owners in this country. I, I don't know that everybody has to have multiple guns, but the point is the law says they can generally, who, who do not understand that this isn't about them. Right. This is not about them. This is about the fact that you're so worried about your kids and what they might learn in a book that you're banning except that the real risk to your kids is getting shot dead in a school right. in America. That risk is higher than everybody else's risk. This week, I have heard everything. I've heard uh, mental health. I've heard violent video games. I've heard hormone changes in uh, transgender people. Guess what? There are video games everywhere in the world. Everywhere in the world, people have mental health issues. There are transgender people everywhere in the world. But nowhere in the world do we have repeated school shootings and the number of children dying from them as we have in America. The problem is actually the guns. It's the common denominator. It's just so simple. And I can't understand. I can't understand. It's not it's not rocket science. This isn't, it's not you, know, Matt, you know, this isn't Matt Damon type of math in, no, you know, no. <laughs> I mean, this is a common denominator, for God's sakes. And in fact, I was watching television the other day and I was I saw as of March 27th of 2023, just this year alone. 131 mass shootings, all right? One year yeah. ago, 2022, 113, all right? We're up another 18 mass shootings. 502 yeah. people wounded. 193 people killed, all right? This is not bullshit. This is from Gun Violence Archive, and they are following this thing. We're averaging more than 100 and 14 deaths 
All right. Um, literally, so far in 2023, this is what it says. 9,870 people have died from gun violence in the United States as of March 27th. All right. That's 114 deaths each day. 114. Could you imagine? The number one killer of children yeah. in America yeah. is gun violence. It certainly is not. It certainly is not going to a burlesque show. Right. That I can promise you. It's gun violence, death by suicide, yeah. up. And this is an interesting 57.9%, like, which yeah, goes right back that. to your like, point this on is mental where health. Most of the deaths are. Now, again, people have mental health issues and people have suicidal ideations everywhere in the world. But the success rate in a suicide attempt is higher in the United States than pretty much everywhere because of the access to guns, right? You don't get a chance to have a second thought about it. A lot of people who attempt suicide. Uh, then have doubts about whether they should have done it. They call for help. They call 911, and they, they can be helped. But if you shoot yourself in the head, it's very hard once you've realized that that's the wrong thing to do. So the, the success rate of successful gun suicides in the United States far exceeds every other suicide uh, trend everywhere else in the world. And this is a really important point that you bring out. 57% of these gun deaths are suicides. So the gun problem is not just other people killing other people. It's people killing themselves in America. It's just, um, I mean, every single day we see it. Tennessee, Michigan State. We saw it in Nevada. We saw it at Uvalde. We see, yep. you know, we see it every day. And I hate to say it. I really do. I hate to say this. I feel as if, though, we're becoming numb to it. Sure we and, are. Sure we you are. know. How about this bullshit? Thoughts and prayers go out to the family, you know, to the families of, you know, these beautiful young children and these innocent adults, you know, killed by so-and-so mass shooter. I'm all for prayer. I really am. And I'm all for positive thoughts. But there comes a point in time where as a parent, right. as a citizen, as an American— I say to people on on the you know the far right, fuck you already with your thoughts and prayers. If you really gave a shit, you would actually do something in order to correct this, because thoughts and prayers is not bringing any of these people back. Right, and you know, you need to sometimes. Take a step back as a member of Congress who is entrusted to do what's right for not just their constituents, but for all America. There comes a point in time that you have to say, this is out of control and I need to step up. I need to figure out why is this happening and what can we do other than say nothing because the NRA is such a massive funder of dark money to all these right. campaigns. What can we do so that when you drop your kid off at school, when you go to work, when you go to church, when you go to temple, when you go to a mosque, you don't have to worry about someone with a, a grudge coming in there with an AR-15 with multiple magazines in full body gear, Kevlar body gear, deciding that they're going to shoot the place up. Yep. And, you know, you bring up the Something AR has to be done. The people tell you this assault weapon stuff is BS. 
uh, and a, it's just, a semi-automatic gun is the same as a, an AR-15. They're just not, right? I mean, even even the normal Kevlar and body gear that that police wear or that journalists wear when they're they're out in the field sometimes can't stop a, a rifle shot. These you, you see the victims after these shootings of of AR-15s. There there is many cases no attempt no no uh, realistic uh, idea that even if they had. I've been told because, I, as you know, I cover these shootings a lot. I, I'm there in person right after they happen. And I have been told so many times that there would have been if there was a hospital on site, we wouldn't have been able to save them. If somebody's hit in a critical area, their torso or, or their head by an AR-15, they're dead. I remember in outside of Chicago at the shooting that uh, that took place last year, July 4th, when I went there, there was a doctor on site who was triaging these these victims as it happened. He said, Everybody who had who was shot in a critical area, I just passed by because there was no chance I was going to save them. Somebody took a shot to a limb, a leg, or an arm. It wasn't a critical artery. There was some chance of saving them. So even the BS about the type of guns, there's nobody. There's no hunter in this country, and there's nobody like you or me who may consider carrying a gun for personal protection who needs an AR-15. If you need an AR-15 to protect you from someone, there's something very wrong with the situation that you're no, in. Basically, what it means is war. that you're in war. You're in a yes. war situation. You're in yes. Ukraine. You're in, you know, yes. uh, you know, you're. You don't need it for you're hunting. In a, you're, and you don't need it for personal protection. It's not a close personal protection weapon because you can't you can't carry it. It's bulky. It's a weapon of war. But but people BS about this stuff. It's made for that. But what has happened, Michael, over the years is it went from an obscure gun into one that the industry decided. Sales are not very good on this thing. It was selling to sort of former veterans. And so what they did is they made this cool. The gun magazines, which, you know, are all sort of uh, helped along by the gun industry, all started doing these things about how kids wanted, you know, these AR weapons uh, for their, for their uh, you know, birthdays and things. And this is what people start. No kid needs that kind of weapon for his birthday. But you saw Andy Ogles, the representative from Tennessee, his Christmas card last year was him I and his entire it. family. Uh, with guns, I think there was one child. Lauren Bobert did the same things. Ridiculous. So did I think Marjorie Taylor Greene. They're and all. The they're all so. The I'm so impressed by their toughness, right? Because nothing right. says Merry Christmas like a fucking AR-15, right? Right. right. And the, the ca- congressman from the area that this happened was on Washington. Was at uh, Capitol Hill telling reporters, "If you think we're going to fix this, we're not. Washington can't fix this stuff." It's like. What do we do? What do we want from government but the things that we can't do on our own, right? Let's say you're a a small government libertarian type. The only thing you want is for the government to do the things you cannot do yourself. Well, guess what? We can't remedy this problem on our own. We have not remedied this problem on our own. If government can't do something about the the regulation of of guns, and regulation of guns doesn't mean taking everyone's gun away. It doesn't mean doing anything wrong with the Second Amendment. It just means the regulation of guns so that this many people don't get killed. We regulated seatbelts. We regulate driver's licenses. We regulate uh, what you can have in your office and how you have to make sure your staff are not exposed to toxins. Ali, they're regulating a woman's reproductive cycle. They're, right. re- but they're regulating regulate. that. That you could regulate, but in AR-15. It's, yeah. it's ludicrous. Right? So I have an idea, right? Let's force births so that that child could get killed by an AR-15. It's right. Again, it's so circular. It's so typical. And it's sad because it's all about the dark money that the NRA. Back to NRA- what you started with, with Liz Cheney, right? Look, this is a woman. Family's very into guns. This is a woman who's saying, stop the nonsense. Stop the book banning stuff. Nobody's kid ever got killed by reading a book. And by the way, nobody forces anybody to read any books at all. The idea is having access to reading. But this this 
culture war stuff has become an obsession. And, it, and, and fortunately, it bleeds down because I don't think it's a natural obsession for most people. Right. I don't think most people hate. I don't think most people are violent. I don't think most people are racist. But this becomes this weird thing where they agitated an entire country into worrying about whether or not your child might become gay or black or trans because of the books to which they have access. But your real danger to your child on a regular basis is getting shot in school. That's actually right. the biggest danger to your child's health and well-being. But no, we're worrying about books. And you don't need to worry about the mass group, because I agree with you. I don't believe that there's a mass number of Americans that are racist. There are racists throughout sure. America. You only need one. You only need one. And I'll go one step further. You know, you said that um, you know, nobody ever got killed with a book. I don't know. Did you see John Wick 1? He... He killed that guy. He killed that guy with a well book. Said, well so, played. <laughs> thank you very much. So, look, I know that you spoke with Parkland dad, Manuel Oliver, about the Nashville shootings this week. Now, Manuel and parents just like him, they still manage to advocate for safe gun laws despite the bleak outlook. And yep. the members of Congress just, they disrespect them. It's, it's amazing. Right to their face, they disrespect yep. them. What can we, as average American citizens, do to help stem this tide of gun violence, especially, especially in schools? And don't tell me, you know, make sure that the doors are locked. Make sure that the glass now is all bulletproof. Let's right. make sure that we arm teachers with right. guns. Let me tell you something. I had a lot of fights, and I'm talking about fist fights with some of my teachers when I was in high school. I could not imagine some of them, you know, um, who didn't like me very much, um, instead of throwing a basketball at me or slapping me across the side of the head, now he's got a firearm sitting in his drawer. Really? What happens to kids get into a fight? What's going on there? And that drawer happens to be unlocked. No. I mean, nobody's thinking. You don't yes. arm teachers school teachers. teachers. By the way, school teachers are not. They're not there as security. Yeah, They're there to teach. And by the way, they consider themselves protectors of children. So this is a, a, a complicated issue because in some school shooting cases, the, the, the shooters are young, they're students themselves or former students. It is not the inclination of a teacher to shoot a student. Then it's not really the inclination of most teachers to shoot anybody. Um, and, and asking them to take on that responsibility is simply unfair. It's not something that most teachers want. And by the way, even to teachers who are gun owners don't want to be involved in this because they are employed as teachers. They are there to teach students. They're not there to be security. This nonsense about hardening doors and hardening schools. Again, it's it's like the it's like the transgender or the video games or the mental issue everything it's about everything else except guns right it's about absolutely everything else soon it'll be about how shootings happen on wednesdays and we should ban wednesdays right it's just bs this is this is one of those things where we just can't get past go we had a little bit of federal regulation that passed uh last year it's the first time in i think 30 years or something there's been any regulation passed by congress on guns but it was the smallest thing we could get even in these states that are all about everybody carrying as many guns as they'd like. They they lean toward things like red flag laws. And I will say the one thing that the Parkland students get, did and the Manuel Olivers of the world did is they succeeded after Parkland, after March for Our Lives, which was five years ago, they succeeded in making the, 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 the gun uh, regulation lobby 
into something that felt like it could compete with the NRA. They they had people elected. They had people who ran on platforms of common sense. Some of them, like Lucy McBath, uh, the, the entire platform was about common sense gun safety laws. So there has been some progress. And a lot of that progress has been on the state level. There just hasn't been federal progress. But again, Manuel Oliver was furious. His son, Joaquin, died at Parkland. And he doesn't want these deaths to be any vain. And he says, every time people say the BS, like you were talking about, the thoughts and prayers to you, some other kid's going to get shot this week or next week. And we didn't change anything on our watch. So when you said, what is it we are supposed to do? And when I say we, I think you mean those of us who are regular citizens and parents, not guys like yes. you and me who have yes. media platforms. What we need to do is imagine that this is happening to us today. Imagine that those are our children. Imagine the feeling of going to the, the collection center, uh, wherever, wherever, every time there's a shooting, there's a place you're supposed to meet your kids. Because I was at Sandy Hook when parents went into that place to collect their kids and their kids were not there. Yeah. I will never, Look. ever, if I lose all my memory, I will not remember the faces of the parents who walked in to the place where they were going to be reunited with their children and walked out without their children. Imagine that yeah. for a day. No. Then do something. No, I don't. I don't want to. In fact, you know, I'll bring it. I look. I'm glad that teachers should not be um, permitted to carry in the classrooms for protection. I was a smartass as a kid, you know, and I'd be walking around right now with a limp. There's no doubt in my mind, right? One one of my teachers would have been just like, "Oh my God, shut up!" and she'd probably shoot me in the kneecap or something. I mean, they're not there as security. Yeah, they are there to teach. Isn't that? what teachers do, right? Now you're giving them something else to do. And by the way, you're also imposing upon them a pretty significant liability by yeah, having them totally. entrusted with a firearm. I mean, we're not talking about entrusted with a pen or a pencil. As a guy who had a, a, a carry license in New York, you are not absolved of liability if you shoot someone no. you, the, the idea that you got a license to carry a gun, which half the country doesn't need anyway now, but the idea that you have a permit to carry a gun does not absolve you from all the laws and responsibilities of doing it. Now we've created this BS that everybody can shoot everybody uh, under the slightest threat. Uh, we've got our castle doctrines and things like that. It's a, it's a nonsensical environment we've created that, that everybody needs a gun to protect themselves from everybody else that needs a gun. And these gun magazines have these scenarios that set out implausible uh, things that will never happen to anybody and have never happened to anyone, but it's a, it explains to you why you need to have a gun here and a gun here and another one here, and you can draw with both arms and you can shoot the guy in your in the in the windshield. Like it's it's crazy, Michael. It's it's illogical. I mean, I you and I know that we are a, a country that could do better at critical thinking because we get influenced by a lot of nonsense on social media and the internet. But this this farce about why everybody needs to carry a gun. Is, is the ultimate in stupidity. I don't know why we don't just sit there and say, this is killing a lot of people. It's killing a lot more people than it's protecting, by the way. The ability to for everybody to carry a gun in America is resulting in far more death than it's saving. At some point, the math's just wrong on this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yep, plain and simple. Mitt Romney. And I've met Mitt when he was running and Trump had endorsed him going back. Mitt Romney has taken more money from the NRA than any other Republican. And we think of him as the same Republican. That's the crazy thing. I actually happen to like Mitt. Sure. And, I, and I got to know his wife and his kids. Yeah. We spent quite a bit of time with him. He legitimately is the same one. He's the one that went up to George Santos and yeah. put that idiot in his place. I think Mitt is a decent human being. I think he is a good man. However, when I saw that Mitt, and it's not that he takes more money, he takes more money by a multiple. But one of the things is Mitt has said that he will not support Trump if he becomes the 2024 Republican nominee. So my question to you is, do rhinos like Mitt still have any sway over the GOP? That's a, that is a very, very big and important question, and I don't understand. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I don't know whether he has sway. I don't know whether Liz Cheney has sway. I think within anything that feels like the apparatus of the party, um, they they don't have a lot of pull, the, the, the national party. But, you know, I, I don't know in 2023 how much national parties matter. The, Re the Republican Party at a national level has... Uh, done everything possible to make itself not relevant to people, but boy, they're firmly in place behind Donald Trump. But look at things like CPAC this year, right? It 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 fizzled. It was like a weird, fringy thing. You know, it used to be a place where conservative intellectuals used to come and talk. It was always a, a fairly right wing thing, but it was you know relatively smart discussion. In the last few years, it's become kooky, right? It's it's become conspiracy theorists and QAnon people and the foam pillow salesmen and all this kind of stuff. And we're starting to see pullbacks on attendance at things like that at Trump rallies. So I don't know. I don't know. And, and maybe you know better than I do what this looks like for the Republicans over the next year or two. I will say this, and I'm not sure all of our uh, my, my viewers agree with me on this. It is a very bad situation in America to have a, a badly limping major political party. Right. You, you want the competitiveness of ideas and people who debate with one another, who are prepared to debate, and who know how to debate. Um, and I think that the I, I mean, I think there are a lot of people, a lot of Democrats who take great pleasure in the demise of the Republican Party. But it doesn't keep you on your game when you're not fighting no. uh, an opposition, when you don't have people who have good ideas that are different from your own to cause you to continue to sharpen your argument about why you want a minimum wage or you want, um, you know, universal medical care, whatever it is that you is important to or, or gun control or or uh, no limits on abortions. It doesn't help you to have people on the other side who are extremists, because you get to write them off. But you can't really write them off because they still get a lot of votes. These are your your fellow citizens. They have views. They, they share your country and they have rights. So I think it's bad for all of us. I actually want the Republican Party to rebuild itself sooner than later. But I don't know. Do they have to lose two presidential cycles, three presidential cycles to, to make that clear? Can they do it while Donald Trump's still in the way? Does Ron DeSantis on a daily basis start to sound and look more like Donald Trump? So I, I don't know. All of this is a, a very big and, and frightening open question. As you know, I, I still have that 
Canadian passport. I think you've got some connection to Canada too. So you, you know, my my father, uh, my father was a Canadian citizen, but gave it up uh, many many years ago. I think I was like seven or eight years old at the time that he became a full, you know, a U.S. citizen. Did not keep his passport. But I'm going to tell you something. Um, as a felon, I have a problem even going to Canada. Uh, you got to get a special passport, uh, despite the fact that I have five first cousins that live there and, you know, my aunt and uncle. Uh, so I can only tell you that I may end up looking for a passport, you know, there. Why not? Maybe I'll, I'll even go for a Polish passport. I have no idea. Wild, but Michael, but I tell you, these conver- and you know, because you've had this conversation with other people. Other people have had this conversation with me. People have started digging around. Do they, do they have family in Europe? Uh, do they, do they, you know, can they, can they claim citizenship somewhere else? Can you imagine that an American would even be thinking about such a thing? This is the country that for 250 years, everybody wanted that. Everyone wanted an American, Uh, right? Everyone wanted a USA passport. That was, that was the, that was the gold standard, right? But I wanted just to go back to something when I said to you that Mitt Romney takes more money from the NRA than anybody else. The top four, right? Top four, starting with number four at the bottom. 4.429 million is Tom Tillis of North Carolina. Right. Number three, Roy Blunt, $4.555 million. And somebody with the last name of Blunt should not ever be carrying a gun. You know, he should be carrying some cannabis. All right. Number three, I'm sorry, number two is Richard Burr, 6987000 Mitt Romney, number one. 13,647,000. Wow. He's double, double number two. I don't get it. Why Utah is the area yeah, that guess, the know, NRA has decided. Burr in it, you know that it's, it's a sort of a, some sort of a cumulative number over a number, a number of years. And I would say that Mitt Romney, not Romney probably qualifies to have received more money because he was a presidential candidate, because he was somebody who thought people thought might, uh, even after he lost, become the president of the United States. There was certainly a reasonable expectation that that might happen, right? Because he was the Republican that a lot of people, a lot of people liked. Um, and, and by the way, John McCain was one of them too. I mean, he took a lot of money from uh, or benefited from the spending. There's two ways of doing it. Sometimes it's donations. Mostly it's not. It's spending on behalf of the candidate, uh, which, you know, sounds innocuous, except to the degree that it's, it is a protection racket. Some of that money is spent in general elections against your opponent. Some mm-hmm. of them spent in primaries um, to make sure nobody cut because that's the protection racket, right? As long as you do not stray from your commitment to guns, never make a media comment, never talk about how, yeah, maybe there should be red flag laws or maybe everybody shouldn't get all the guns they want all the time. The minute you stray from that, the block, you know, the NRA blocks anybody from coming up against you. They'll just outspend anybody who comes up against you. The minute you stray, you lose their protection. The racket goes away, and that crowd, that fence of protection, moves to someone else who they get to pledge. They will never stray, and that's how it works. So once you're in it, you're only in it for more, right? It, you you never nobody ever you have to, yeah. you, have to you have to you have to get out of the business entirely. If Mitt Romney says anything about guns, he can have a primary challenge. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, there just needs to be negotiation. There needs to be cooperation and determination to make a change. I'm not saying get rid of the AR-15, though personally I don't understand why any civilian should have one. Less of all, 100-round magazines, I don't get it. 
just not necessary. Right. All right. By the way, Second Amendment was flintlocks, right? They, they, had, they had muskets. Yeah. It took you three minutes to load that fucker, right? Now, all of a sudden, you have to have, you know what? I want a bazooka. That's what I want. I want a bazooka. I don't even want an AR-15. You know, you, you bring your AR-15 to a fight, I'm coming with a bazooka. I mean, seriously, at no. what point? I want, a, I want a hand grenade. You know, you're not allowed to own a hand grenade. Right. Weird, right? But an AR-15, AR-15. Right. You're not allowed to own. Do less damage than these AR-15s can do to these kids. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, why, why wouldn't you, we say that the Constitution was written at a time when, as you said, muskets and flintlocks, right? It couldn't mean this. Um but it doesn't matter because we're fundamentalists and absolutists on this this particular topic, which is kind of weird because we spent a lot of years in this country not liking fundamentalists and absolutists. We spent a lot of time thinking that fundamentalists and absolutists are, are, are threatening our own freedom. And now on these two issues, on abortion and guns, we've become fundamentalists and absolutists. That's not who we are. It's yeah. not the American identity. I don't know how we've allowed ourselves to get so hijacked by this. But, Michael, on these two particular topics, we've been hijacked. The, the, the actual yes. views of the American people are in favor of not criminalizing abortion and uh, common sense gun regulations. That's actually what most Americans think, and it's been pretty consistent over the years. But the actions of the government do not match those. And, and that's a conversation for a different time for you and me about how Congress is just not representative of the American people. But we're, we're, we're just we're we're an outlier in the on the entire planet in terms of these kinds of laws, particularly on guns and gun deaths. And, and it's not like anybody can't figure this out. Everybody from Finland and Australia and Canada and the UK and everybody understands it out. why there are that many this many gun deaths in America, because we do not we do not adequately regulate our constitutional protections to firearms. There are lots of things that are constitutionally protected that have offensive regulation around them to keep them safe. And to keep Americans safe, for some reason, we've decided you can't touch guns, can't can't do anything, can't say anything. There's this whole, this whole movement in America for constitutional carry. Hmm. No permits, no nothing, nothing. You don't have to you, you don't have to give your name to get a gun. You just get a gun. Yeah, guns for everybody. It's genius. And if you're Donald Trump, you know people shouldn't have First Amendment rights either if they want to say something negative about him. Now, Ali, you spoke recently with historian Matt Dalek. And he thinks that Trump's so radical now and running so hot that maybe the MAGA movement will burn itself out. What do you think? So he he studied the John Birch Society and he was using that as an example. And I thought that was a really interesting discussion because I'm not sure I buy it. But he says, historically, these things burn themselves out. The difference between the MAGA movement and the John Birch Society is that the John Birch Society was always seen by mainstream conservatives as a fringy movement. Um, and the MAGA movement's not seen as a fringy movement. It has it is, it is supplanted uh, the mainstream conservative movement. So John Birch never had the support of mainstream Republicans, Republicans in Congress. They were all sort of a little embarrassed to associate themselves with it. It seemed like a far-right thing, and, and, and it was. But today, the far-right movement controls the agenda. There's nobody to shove them out of the way. You asked about Mitt Romney. We talked about Liz Cheney's um, uh, message and tweet about uh, about school violence, gun violence. Th there's nobody there to do the pushing. So the, the MAGA crowd occupies the center space. I don't know if they will burn out or not, but there's nobody who's fighting back against them or saying, you you can carry on on the side there, carry, you know, whatever it is you're talking about. You don't get center stage. The MAGA crowd's got center stage. Well, yes, they have center stage because 
they yell the loudest. Yeah, and, and That's the Jobberg the Society thing. wasn't that, right? They were trying to get people elected to office, right. which, which the conservative movement sometimes does. But this MAGA movement is an entirely grievance-based thing. And the problem is, and this is a right and a left-wing issue all over the world, when you look at all the major elections in major democracies, including India uh, and places like that, like Turkey, uh, uh, Hungary, grievance politics works. Right. This is why Trump is using the language he's using now of being uh, your retribution. Grievance policy, uh, uh, grievance politics really, really works. And so you take the the the, the intellectual conservatism of the, uh, the John Birch movement and you supplant it onto a movement with MAGA, which is not a deeply intellectual movement because Donald Trump's not a deeply intellectual guy. He's not a doctrinaire uh, ideological conservative by any stretch of the means. He just knows what works, what will allow him to maintain power. And that is constantly filing, uh, fueling that fire of grievance. And he does that, as you know, better than anyone. I was one of those people who in the beginning, when Donald Trump uh, initiated his campaign in 2015, I was one of those people who say, regular people are not going to identify with Donald Trump. They're going to see right through this act. He's not their guy. Yeah. And so you were. But, you know, the number of people who are actually supporting Trump, despite the fact that he's beating the other Republicans, you know, Meatball Ron or, you know, um, Marco Rubio or, um, you know, any of the others that, you know, you know, that want to come out and now make a run for the presidency. He has them beat based upon his already existing base. But that number is decreasing on a regular base. And, you know, the polls and the talk about it, 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 it's not discussed enough in the proper way. So, for example, one of Donald's big bases, something that I actually helped to create, which was the evangelical community. I went to my friend Jerry Falwell. I got him to come out to endorse. Jerry got Franklin Graham. Franklin brought, and we brought in 200, you know, um, black evangelical preachers from around the country. We brought in another 200, um, you know, mixed denominational, even, you know, um, you know, mi- mixed, uh, you know, evangelical preachers from all over the country. Paula White, we got herself involved the whole nine yards. That community closing their eyes to Donald right now. Now, I'm not saying all of them, but I'm saying a very significant portion of these individuals who have massive churches, they're not supporting Donald. And why? Because truth be told, they don't need him. At least they don't need him right now. If he becomes the nominee, chances are that they'll back him again. But if, you know, if he doesn't, they'd rather see somebody else. Why? Because they already got the judges in office that they wanted. They've already overturned Roe v. Wade, something they've been looking to do for 50 years. Donald is... Donald is no longer relevant to them because they've already gotten out of him everything that they wanted. And so they were willing to sacrifice their, we'll call it religious principles, so long as that Donald was successful in winning so that they could effectuate something that was important to them, which is life, right to life, you know, and um, protection over life. That They're not with him. They're not the only group. In fact... A lot of the white supremacists, as a result of the number of 
arrests and now incarceration of Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, a lot of them are turning around and saying, whoa, 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 slow the fuck down there, big fella, right? Where's Donald to help us? We're, we have no counsel. We have no yep. money to pay for counsel. We did what you asked us to do. We went to the Capitol on January 6th. You know, we came with our, with, you know, with our energy and our determination to fight. We came with weapons. All of a sudden, yep. where the fuck are you? You're at Marilardo chowing down on hamburgers and ice cream. Well, what about us? They're not too thrilled with him right now either. So, like I said, there's a big, big part of that 30% or so of the Republican Party. To the degree that Donald Trump has demonstrated the relative success of grievance politics, and to the degree that he uses the language of authoritarians and autocrats and dictators of the past, where he talks about revenge and retribution and things like that, do you think that even if what you say comes true, that Donald Trump's uh, base of support is decreasing, do you not worry that he is he has created within the Republican Party and maybe the conservative movement in this country the idea that this sort of retribution politics works? That's my fear, that, that this outlasts him. It absolutely does. Look at Jim Jordan. Look at what he's doing. Look at what, yeah. look at what Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? It's not... This is not a male-female issue. This is, this is a Republican grievance-based you know, ideology, and it works. They managed to suck a shit ton of money out of their constituents, yep. filling their coffers in order to do damage on anybody that may or may not run against them. So let's do this, and let's, for example, let's talk about Mike Pence being now compelled to testify against dear old Donald, right? If Trump is caught up in various legal battles, and we already know that there's five out there, possibly more, is there any hope for Pence's presidential prospects? And is there anyone that may be not... Maybe that person's not on the radar right now. Who do you think might step up if Trump is eliminated for whatever the well, reason might so, be? That's a good question. The, the groups that you just talked about, the uh, the religious groups, um, Mike Pence was always a darling to those groups back in the day when he was the governor of Indiana. He was a, um, he, you know, he's a he's a religious guy. He talks about God all the time. I think he actually comes by that honestly. Uh, and his his views on abortion and uh, and and gay rights are very very conservative. That said, he doesn't move the needle, and, and I don't know that he will. I think he has been resisting. Uh, testifying uh, to the January 6th uh, investigation half-heartedly. I think he's quite willing to testify, but he's not going to be the one to volunteer to do so. And he keeps pushing back uh, when he gets instructions or orders to do so uh, because it doesn't pay him politically to sound like he wants to testify against Donald Trump. But I, I, I think he doesn't move the needle. And I don't know. To, in answer to your question, I think about it all the time. Ron DeSantis is, is becoming more Trump than Trump. He's almost like the uh, here's Trump with sophisticated execution of the plans that Trump talks about all the time. Trump gives a good rally. He gives a good bumper sticker. He gives a good speech. Uh, Ron DeSantis is not known for his speeches or his bumper stickers or his pithiness, but he's he's doing in Florida what a lot of people think is the right thing to do. So I do think Ron, Ron DeSantis is the guy to watch. 
But I, you know, when you talk about that other group of of Republicans who might be more mainstream, think about them historically: the Jeb Bushes, the the Kasichs, the uh, uh, the John Huntsmans of the world. Nobody wants to step up and put their put their neck into this one right now. And part of the problem in the Republican Party for the last several cycles has been that there have been some people who are who could probably appeal to a broader constituency, but they don't think strategically and come together and say, you know what, if six of us run, we're not going to beat Trump. Uh, but if if we all coalesce around one person, uh, we might. Nikki Haley might have been that person, but again, no strategy in the whole thing, so I don't know. The the the, the, the nah. magic of being. Nah, I don't. I don't see. Right, but, but I don't she, see Nikki Haley. I don't see Nikki Haley's that, that person. Not right. The uh, more mainstream traditional conservative camp doesn't hold extreme views on things. But I don't know. I I, I don't mm-hmm. see anybody stepping up to do this. There might be people who step up after this fire has burnt itself out. Right after the Republican Party has realized it cannot win with an extremist candidate, uh, then someone will come in and say, "How about I help you out." And that might be an interesting day. It might be a good day to see who that is. Maybe it's somebody we don't know yet or somebody who's coming up the ranks. The danger is that the ranks are very dangerous right now. The, the, the ranks of the Republican Party attract an extremist group of people. So even the young people like the Josh Hawley's of Missouri, that's more extreme in his views than anybody else and almost anybody else in Congress. Right. This is a young, young Ivy Donald Trump 2.0s who holds very, very unusual views, I'm going to say, to to be as polite as possible. Well, let me ask you this then, because it is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Because of your reporting in the region, I mean, you are legitimately one of my best sources of information on the war in Ukraine. If you would, tell my listeners what's actually happening there right now. I mean, is there any hope of the conflict ending anytime soon? Uh, It's a stalemate. 400 some odd days into the war that was supposed to take three days. It's a stalemate. So that's kind of incredible. That's as a result of, um, you know, Joe Biden and NATO stepping up to the plate. Uh, They've ground it to a halt. Uh, most of the fighting is around this town of Bakhmut, which is a statistically insignificant place. It's 75,000 people, and the Russians haven't been able to make progress since October. That said, uh, everybody's running out of bullets and guns, right? The West is giving them lots of weaponry, and there's a fear that from some of these Western countries that's been articulated that we may not have weapons to fight a war if we need to. Russia's running out of weaponry. They're getting stuff from North Korea. They're getting drones from Iran. They're getting tanks from Laos. I mean, it's a mess. China hasn't stepped up to the plate yet. China has interjected, said that it wants a peace deal. Zelensky says, you didn't talk to us about it. China, uh, President Xi went to visit with uh, Putin the other day. They haven't promised any weaponry, but that is a game changer. 
if China gets into the game and puts its thumb on the scale in favor of Russia, gives them weapons and guns that they need, Russia could up the ante in this war, and then it becomes a real hot Cold War, right? Because this is essentially a NATO versus Russia war on Ukrainian soil. This could up the ante. And so I worry that, that every day that this war goes on is, is advantage Russia. But for the moment, um, you know, uh, the, the Ukrainians impress a bunch of people. They have held out against all odds. Now, again, in fairness, a lot of that is American support and NATO support. But if people don't fight for their own country, their country is lost. And these Ukrainians, at great loss to themselves, civilians and soldiers continue to fight. Yeah. So, look, let's talk for a quick second about this recent alliance between Russia and China, right? And whether or not, you know, it will make a difference in the conflict. There's no doubt about that. If China starts to provide Russia with um, military equipment, you know, guns, bullets, et cetera, drones, tanks, missiles. You think China's really serious about brokering a peace deal? Or is it really just a ploy to help Putin take some or all of Ukraine? Somehow, when I saw the two of them sitting there, right, and they both signed the document and Putin holds it up as if he's holding up a gold medal and, you know, Xi Jinping, you know, he turns around and he's holding his. And you could almost see this like a devilish smile going on between the two. Now, I don't want to read into body language and so on, but to me, the way that I saw it, I almost think that this is a ploy. And if, in fact, it is a ploy, and if, in fact, as a result of China's assistance that Putin does take some or all of Ukraine, how does that benefit China? Well, if you think about the world as dividing into two camps, which it kind of is, um, there's the democratic camp and the non-democratic camp, right? The, those that are democracies and those that are not. Uh, India, which is, you know, in a lot of people's opinion, not feeling a whole lot like a democracy these days, um, is is still not been as clear about Russia and its invasion of Ukraine as it should be. China is expansionist, just like like Russia is, right? China's itching to get into Taiwan, get Taiwan back. It's building bases all over in the South China Sea. So China wants to see Russia succeed because then China can succeed. Russia is a a piddling country compared to China in terms of its military might, in terms of its uh, technological sophistication, in terms of its natural resources. It's got oil, right? It's got oil. That's the only thing Russia does that anybody wants. Diamonds. China has everything (laughs) that every everybody wants. So China has to be much more sophisticated about this. It also has seen in the last year what you do if you end up on the wrong side of of the tracks, if you end up on the wrong side of America and NATO, because under Donald Trump, America wasn't getting involved in the world and NATO wasn't wasn't going to get the support it deserved. Now, all of a sudden, from from the ashes, has NATO risen to be more effective than it's been in 80 years? And China's watching this thing thinking, we're not looking for this fight. So if Russia loses, if Russia has to turn tail and leave Ukraine, this is only bad for China's aspirations to get Taiwan back. That said, China needs to push as far as China can push without pushing so hard that America says, now you're in trouble. Now we're going for you. And I don't know what that line looks like, but it's a it's a, the weapon. And remember, you know, Iran gives them drones. Uh, North Korea gives them some weapons. China's got everything. China's got battleships and airplanes and missiles. Uh, So China getting involved in this thing is very important. I will say this. The Chinese are very, very, very smart. They think long term. And Xi Jinping, I'm hoping, is thinking this is not the time to make. Oh, my God. Do you remember, Ali, that there was 
an article, I think it was the New York Times that exposed it, that when Trump took over um, as president of the United States, Xi Jinping actually brought in, I think it was like a dozen of the top economists in all of China, and they produced a document that was how to take over the United States economy, how to surpass the United States economy and be the the dominant leader, right, um, in the world in under 10 years. Do you, do, you remember, do you remember that article? That was absolutely crazy. So, yeah, I yeah. could see where now China um, can figure out how to benefit from Russia. Um, I, I Again, the problem with Putin is he wants it all for himself. Problem with Xi Jinping? Yes. He wants it all for himself. The problem with yes. Donald Trump? He wants it all for himself. Mohammed bin Salman, Welcome he wants it all for himself. That's that's autocracy, right? They they they, they then can carve up the world okay. and say you want a little bit more of this, so want more of that. That's the problem. Sure, so Ali, so let's play this for a second, right? Because this is now a board game, right? It's called taking over the world. You have ten dictators, ten autocrats that each have a section of the world. What do you think is ultimately gonna happen? You're going to start to see China now go after Russia or Trump and America go after Russia or go after whoever's the weakest there and start to try to take it over so that it's total world domination because that's the only thing these people want. It's total world domination instead of democracy and peace and, and prosperity and, you know, figuring out how to, how to no. save the planet instead of fucking it up no. with... Guess admissions in 80 years we went in that direction and look how how fragile democracy is. Well, if we right? can and, and I I'm, I'm a, I, I often say I've said it to you, democracy is a cactus, right? It, it, you right. can't kill it that easily, but you can't ignore it entirely. And then you get a Donald Trump who comes in. He's not the only one. There were all sorts of these guys all over the world. But these sort of, you know, not so into democracy thing, not thinking that that's the primary thing that they are there to defend in their own country or around the world. And look how fast it started to come apart. Now, look, you go to Canada, Western Europe, Northern Europe, it's, things are okay there. But look how fast. India's on the brink. America's on the brink. Hungary's on the brink. Israel, uh, Israel. Israel's on the brink. Right. Yeah, look at that. And by the way, don't think so for a split problem. second that if Trump took over and became president again, that, is, that what do you call it, Canada is safe? Trump used to say, our, I mean, our Canada salvation, our salvation yeah. army could kick their ass. All right? And on top of that, Canada Mexico... Lived Canada exists on the basis that America will protect its sovereignty and safety no matter what, right? It's why Canada do doesn't spend uh, any money it on its military. A, That's a right. NATO country because you never had to. If anything happened, America would launch its jets and whoever was bothering you would be taken care of. I have to tell you, in the last many years, Canadians have started to be very, very worried about and the so fact they that should be. By the way, their biggest protector is one. and so should Mexico because Trump will roll the tanks right through Mexico. You know why? Because he can. That would be his thing. Because I can. I'm sick and tired of them coming over the wall. So you know what? We'll just take yeah. it. We'll just take the whole place. Because that's what, I mean, let's not forget, he wanted to buy, what was that, uh, Greenland? Right? He wanted to take over Greenland. Yeah. I mean, but let's, let's talk about Israel for a quick second. Because it looks like Netanyahu has backed off his, you know, his plan to um, reform the Israeli Supreme Court. I mean, at least for the moment, right? But his corruption seems absolute. And the people in Israel appear to have lost faith in his leadership.
What's your take on the future of Israel? Well, I think the, the context here is really, really, really important. And that is very much like Donald Trump. Uh, Netanyahu is a guy who's under indictment. And he, uh, he, in addition to talking about these so-called judicial reforms, which are not really reforms, they're the weakening of the judiciary in Israel, in and amongst that is stuff that uh, makes it harder to remove him as prime minister. Because he believes, like a lot of other people do in the world, including Donald Trump, that if you're if you're the leader of the country, you are you are protected in some fashion from from prosecution. So that is what's going on in Netanyahu's head. Now, the other part of this is that he only paused what he was doing because what other choice did he have? None. He had a national strike for all intents and purposes. The pilots and Ben Gurion were not taking off. The military reservists were saying we're not showing up. Diplomats around the world were protesting. Some resigned. It was 10% of Israel's adult population took to the streets. He only stopped because there was nothing else he could do. And the minute it calms down and he gets some other distraction, uh, and he talks about Iran a lot, and he'll make that a distraction, in the minute it all calms down, Netanyahu will probably be back to his antics. Now, the, the, the pro-democracy forces in, in Israel are feeling emboldened. I would say Netanyahu has nine lives, and he's only spent about five of them. Okay, well, that's interesting. Let me ask you this, because let me bring it back home for a second, because most of the people in America, half of America, according to this guy's show, uh, who is the CEO of TikTok, 150 million subscribers on TikTok. I happen to be on TikTok, right? And most of them, the dance moves? I, I, I don't do the dance moves. I just do what's called Michael Cohen reacts. Get a lot of, a lot of views, it. but it's, it, they're a lot of fun. But most of our kids are on TikTok. And the interesting thing is that most of them don't give a shit whether China's collecting their data. They just 100%. Don't, they just Michael. don't care. How dangerous. Oh, all the old people in Congress care about this. And the kids who use TikTok couldn't care less. Like, China, here's my data. Take right. it. Knock yourself out. Just give me a nice app. Exactly. Right. How dangerous <laughs> do you think that TikTok really is then to our society? And do you think that the members of Congress who want to, you know, the want to ban this platform in the United States are overthinking the issue and trying to create something where nothing really exists? I, I think that the United States Congress has not demonstrated that it's a leading uh, operator when it comes to technolo technological regulation. So I, I don't think we know enough. Like the UK Parliament, European Parliament, they're very advanced about privacy and things like that. So I do think there's a real problem with TikTok uh, and, and privacy concerns. I think Congress never gets it right. We're too far behind. We're like 15 years behind the curve. These folks, in many cases, don't know how to use their phones properly. So I'm not I'm not sure we got the right people on the case, but I do think there is a concern. I just don't know that Congress is addressing exactly the right stuff. And that go, goes the same for the social media platform. It's, it's not really in the right place. Everything's so politicized that they worry about the wrong things. We need to worry about this technology and how dangerous it can be. What kind of information are the Chinese gathering? Because by the way, lots of people use Chinese phones and Chinese TVs and they've got TVs and they've got cameras on them and stuff. So it, it, we need a holistic view about what sure. the Chinese or anybody else is, is collecting on us. Okay. I fully understand that. And I get it. You know, we have a, you know, Cold War, so to speak, with China. We don't trust them. They don't trust us. All for very good reasons. Okay, that's fantastic. Facebook. Facebook makes Meta. It's not even Facebook anymore. Meta collects most of its money, if I'm not mistaken, from usage of 
information, most of, most of Meta's money is actually made from sale of private of people's rights. Correct. Correct. That's 100% correct. So the kids don't care. Uh, and, and to the kids, does it matter whether it's China versus Meta versus Google? Why should Google it? Google knows every last thing about every one of us because it reads our emails. Correct. It knows what's in our emails. Alexa, so, you so, sit there, you, you're having a conversation, yes. me and Ali. I'm sitting there. The time. You think Alexa only listens to you when you say Alexa? Alexa's listening the whole time. Yeah. So the kids don't care. But that doesn't mean that it's not important, right? And so that's where the, the, the disconnect is. I totally, my kids don't care. By the way, I don't, I don't care. I watch look, most yeah. of the time that I that I'm watching TikTok. I'm usually sitting on the toilet. I mean, truth. So what, right. now they know what my now they know what my uh, you know my schedule is. I could care less. Knock yourselves out. But right. Ali, but, look, but, the hour. We don't think so about Ali, it. the hour goes yeah. by very quick. On you know this, we always yeah. we get into a good conversation. Yeah. The indictment just dropped against Donald Trump. The yeah. first time in United States history that an indictment has been made against a president, former or past. What's your, yeah. what's your opinion on to it? Because obviously, and I'm going to try to keep my views somewhat more to myself because I'm the key witness in this case, but I would love to hear right. your take I, I, on yes. it. Look, I will say this. Uh, for the, for the uh, New York District Attorney to have pursued this case vigorously is um, either a career maker or a career ender. When you are going to be the first person to indict a former president of the United States, and not just a former president, because when 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 Congress went after Nixon, Nixon was already sort of a broken man at that point. The Republicans had given up on him, and he wasn't going. Nobody thought he was the future of anything. Donald Trump is very much an active political figure right now. One who has said, not three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I am your retribution. One who posted a, a, a picture, reposted a picture, which he then deleted, that showed him with a baseball bat next to the head of the district attorney, which every lawyer I've spoken to has said is a bridge too far. That, that, that goes beyond the pale. So Alvin Bragg had a lot of reasons to find every reason not to prosecute Donald Trump. And the fact that they pursued this and they called you back uh, and they called David Pecker back and, you know, like they, they, they took their job seriously. And remember, everybody, Donald Trump treats this like a witch hunt. It is an indictment. There is still a trial. He gets the right to attorneys and a full trial and discovery. He is treating this like this is the witch hunt. This is the, the legal process. The legal process has been followed. It sounds to me like this grand jury did its homework. You know better than I do because you you addressed them, but they seem to have done their homework. And, and all that they have done is return an indictment. It's historic. It's major. But Donald Trump, if he thinks this is unfair, still has an entire trial that he can go through. But as you know, and you've told me many times, he will do everything possible to get this waived and dismissed and thrown out and get all sorts of things done. But Donald Trump is for the first time possibly in his life, possibly in his life, facing legal accountability. And I think that's that's worth something. Yes, I totally agree with you. And um, I look forward to coming on to your show, Ali. I look forward to the special that we're going to have together, that one-hour special. Um, yep. That should be fantastic. You're always the best. I thank you for your friendship. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for explaining it to me and to my mea culpa listeners. My pleasure. Look forward to seeing you very, very soon, my friend. Thank you, sir. And now for today's mea culpa. Again, I want to thank the Maya Culpa community for all your support. This week has been like none other in my life. 
And while I fear for the safety of myself and my family, I also fear for our country. So much so that I'm willing to stay the course and work with Alvin Bragg and his team to make sure that justice is finally done. I said in my own statement that I put out here a mea culpa just after the announcement of Trump's indictment, that I take no pleasure in any of this and frankly wish that it never happened. I'm not sure I ever expected to be famous and certainly not for this, but you know that you've made it when your name is the answer to question number one in the New York Times news quiz. I mean, let's just call it a bright spot in an otherwise dark chapter in my life. Last week, I spoke with Don Lemon and Alison Camrata on CNN and said that I think that the former president is seething right now. And I said that because he's thin-skinned and he's scared shitless despite this bullshit macho posturing. This indictment isn't something either of us ever thought would actually come to pass. Well, the problem for Donald is that he can't accept accountability and has never been able to own up to his own mistakes. So, this situation must be excruciating for him, and a long time in the making. For the most part, Donald chose yes-men and crazies to advise him in the White House, and a whole lot of them have already been indicted or on their way to prosecution as we speak. And yeah, he's mad, he's fucking furious at them like he was mad at me because none of us could keep him from making mistakes so vast that they might land him in jail or with an ankle monitor or simply out of the public eye, a wash up, a loser. I mean, these were his greatest fears and they have now come to pass. I want to say this, that it's a sad day in America when a former president is indicted. And this is just the beginning of what promises to be a long road of indictments and criminal trials that will tie up the former guy for probably the rest of his life. Do I wish that he left office without causing an insurrection? Of course I do, every single day. Do I wish he hadn't torn the fabric of our fragile democracy to shreds with lies about our free and fair elections? Of course I do, all the time. Do I wish that I hadn't been caught up in Donald's web of criminality for over a decade? Well, yes and no. I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't been for my experiences working for Donald Trump. So there is good and bad. I have become a better man by taking responsibility for my choices. I can only hope that Donald does the same, though I don't believe it will. I mean, not that a tiger can change its stripes, but if the guy ever came clean and actually told the fucking truth, it would be so good for the whole country. I mean, in fact, the more I think about it, maybe the whole world. They say that the truth will set you free. I can say from experience that eventually it does, but it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen without pain. So you have to own the truth. And that's the tough part, especially for Donald. But if you can do it, you can evolve. I mean, would I rather see the ex-president down there at Mar-a-Lardo playing bad golf and sucking down Diet Cokes with not a care in the world? Yes, sure I would, if it hadn't been the worst, most destructive president that this country has ever seen. It's time for Trump to pay the piper. And now it's all up to him how he decides to play it. So I'll say it again, the truth would be the best option for all of us. Though, again, sadly, 
I don't think it's gonna happen. And as always, thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media, written by Jimmy Jelinek and Paula Killen. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea culpa, nothing but the truth.